Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Nehemiah, chapter 1. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Little did I know what God's plans were. Uh, I was uh, uh, share my testimony with, you know, I told you guys when I fly, uh, that's my time to preach. And um, I, I told you because I got a captive audience right next to me, he can't go nowhere. Even if he got to go potty, he got to come back. I mean, one time one guy went in the bathroom, he stayed in there an awfully long time. And I'm like, what happened to him? He just stayed in there because he didn't want to hear me talk. And uh, so I was sharing with a guy just just last night about, you know, what God has done and how God wants to use you and how you need to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will lift you up. And, and God, you know, wants to use, use your life and, 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 and bless you and, 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 and show grace to you and show grace through you to other people. God wants to do these things, but we've got to care. We got to thank you, Miss Betty. We got to care. That is right. We got to care. I want you all to say amen right there. You got to care. That's all. And God will do great things. So on this ordinary day, Nehemiah hears that the people of God are in danger. Why? How? Because the walls are broken down. We talked about this the last time. And the gates are burned. Remember, I told you that walls are important in the ancient world. Walls around a a city represented separation, salvation, and protection. And an unwalled city was open and vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy. People living in an unwalled city lived in fear of being attacked and brutalized. So you can see why there's an urgency, if you will, um, concerning the walls. Nehemiah hears that the walls of the city are torn down and he's concerned. Then the last time we, we learned when the people returned to Jerusalem, remember I told you that they were standing there. And they're looking at the rubble and they're looking at the, the, the ruins and they needed to rebuild. And God sent Zechariah to tell the people, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Remember I told you that? Well, it was also, listen closely, it was also at this time that God sent the prophet Haggai with a word for the people. Now, what I want you to do is we are going to tonight, we're going to leave Nehemiah and we're going to go to Haggai and spend the rest of our evening there. Okay, because I want you to see what God has to say in the book of Haggai to the people concerning uh, the the ruins, concerning the, the temple being torn down. Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai. Haggai. Did you get all that? Zechariah, you're going too far. Back up. If you're going to Malachi, you went 
too far back up. Two books, or just go to Malachi and back up two books. Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament before you get to Matthew. So just back up two books. Listen, by the time we're done on Wednesday nights, you will be tired of hearing the, the order. You'll have it in your head. Somebody say, that's a good thing. All right. Hey, guy, we're going to hang out here tonight and put this story together. I need to turn in myself. I'm so busy trying to get y'all there. I need to turn in myself. Now, now look at this. Uh, we're looking at chapter 1. And we're looking at verse 3. And look at Haggai chapter 1, verse 3. The word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying... Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have so much and bring in little. You eat. Are you looking at verse six? You eat, but you do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourself, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why? Says the Lord of hosts. Because of my house that is in ruins, while every one of yours or, or every one of you runs to his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you withhold the dew, the earth withholds its fruit. For I called for a drought on the land and the mountains, on the grain and the new wine and the oil and whatever the ground brings forth on men and livestock and all and on all the labor of your hands. I'm just feeling led to read verse 12 through 15. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shadiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak. Not so bad. The high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. Underline that. Obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God had sent them and the people feared the presence of the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, spoke the message to the people saying, I am with you, says the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of that guy, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of that guy, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and they worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the 24th. Believe it or not, this is very important right here. On the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius. Saying, stop right there. Give me your attention. Write this down. Ezra chapter 3 verse 8. 
it tells us that the people are back in their homeland and it is a high time. They laid the foundation to the temple and everybody's excited. The priests came out all dressed up in their priestly garments and they played the trumpets. You know, I get, I always get Louis Armstrong in my head right around there. They, they play their trumpets. They're like, Probably playing when the saints come marching in, you know, that, dun, 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 dun. you know, there's like excitement going on and people are all dressed up and they're and, and, and there's singers there and there's drummers there and there's symbols and they're praising God for the work that has been done. Ezra chapter three, verse 11 tells us, I think I have that for you on the screen, don't I? I do. And they sang responsively. Praising and giving thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures for how long, saints? Forever toward Israel and us. And then all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Now, I know you know when God is blessing, Satan starts messing. Isn't that true? You need to write that down. The foundation of the temple has been laid. The people's hearts are focused on the things of God. Israel's neighbors are the Samaritans. And they didn't like what God was doing. And so they began to give Israel trouble to distract them. And it worked. When the people were met with resistance, they became spiritually lethargic. And they left the things of God. And they started working on their own houses. Landscaping their front yards, putting sprinkler systems in and probably putting those puffy plants. What are those puff, those um, hydrangeas? Yeah, those puff, we got them on the side of our house. Those little puffy plants, they're making their houses look all nice, but they neglected God's house. Is anybody listening? And weeds began to grow over the temple and it was a disgrace and a reminder to the people of their messed up priorities. Well, then enters Haggai center stage 14 years later, 14 years later, God said, Haggai, go to Zerubbabel and Joshua and the people and tell them that's enough of doing your own thing. Let's get going with my thing. Let's get going with my work. God says, Haggai tells a rubber bell. I hear the people saying this time has not come. I hear the people saying this time has not come. The time that the Lord's house should be built. Think about that. The time has not come. It's been 14 years. It's 14 years and the job isn't finished and they're saying the time hasn't come. You see, now the people, listen, they're not saying, now listen to me closely here. The people are not saying that God's house shouldn't be built. They're saying it is in time to build the Lord's house. We'll get to it later. Right now, we got things to do around our house. When I'm done with the kids and my wife's stuff and paneling the living room, then I'll start working on God's stuff. After all, they're thinking, home first. Hey, my ministry is to my home first. My ministry, is anybody listening? My ministry is to my house first. I mean, I got to minister to my wife first, right? Doesn't God want us to focus on the family? 
This is what they're thinking. And they're making excuses as to why they couldn't be about God's business. And they would say, I would give more money to the temple project, but all my money is tied up in my room addition. You know, we got a new chariot and, and, and the monthly payments are kind of steep. And I mean, look, the temple, the temple, temple's been closed for 70 years. A few more won't hurt. This isn't the right time. Later would be better. Or they would say, we're waiting on God's timing. Listen, it's the old putting a religious spin on spiritual apathy trick. When in fact, it was a bunch of excuses because their priorities were out of order. So someone once said, when you're good at making excuses, that's all you're good for. And people in the church, listen. People in the church are experts. Experts, professionals, at making excuses. I mean, really, we're masters at it. We live in a culture, we live in a time where people make excuses for everything. Well, I am the way I is because of them. Well, if my father was this, then I wouldn't be this. Look, if anybody can make that excuse, I could. My father was a drug dealer. I don't know him. I really don't. I mean, I know him if I saw him, and I've seen him a few times, and I've been in his presence a few times in my whole life. My father was a drug dealer, and you're looking at somebody according to the world standards and according to the world statistics that I'm supposed to be uh, some black male locked up or 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 facing charges or had some kind of history of charges and 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 on drugs and 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 have all kinds of social economic problems in our culture i'm supposed to be that way because that's kind of what the statistics show because i didn't have a father in my life i never had a father in my life but i'm going to tell you something god has been my father and god has taken care of me and i'm gonna wait and God was a better father to me than my father could ever hope to be. Even if he was the best. That's what statistics say. I'm saying you don't have to be that. I don't care what, where, how, whatever your background is. You don't have to be that. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature and old things are passed away and behold, all things become new. That's me. And no time for excuses. Excuses. There's no excuse, especially to the believer. Because we have Jesus Christ in our lives. Our culture, we're good at making excuses. We're good at making excuses in the church. Well, I'll pray about it. Well, let's seek the Lord's timing. Well, you know, I prayed on it, and I just don't really feel led to be in children's ministry, although I have seven children. (laughs) We'll get back to that. (laughs) It's true, isn't it? 
I just don't feel led or, you know, we really need to pray about this or we need to pray about that. Listen, don't get me wrong and please don't walk out of here thinking I'm saying we don't need to pray. We need to pray. We need to pray about everything. But I can tell you something. There are some things that are so clear in this world. You don't need to pray about it. You don't need to pray about it. There's things in this book that we just know that God tells us, go into all the world and make disciples. We don't have to pray, hey, Lord, do you want me to go make disciples? Well, let the little children come to me. Lord, do you really want me to let the little children come to you? Uh, Yeah. We don't need to pray about it. But see, a lot of times, you know, let me pray about it is an excuse. It's an excuse. The truth is, you know, people don't want to commit to getting involved in the things of God because it requires dedication, commitment, faithfulness to God. And I got to be honest, it isn't easy. But if you're waiting for easy, you're never going to serve God. If you're waiting for circumstances to be perfect, you'll never serve God. There is always opposition when you seek to serve the Savior. You need to write that down. There's always opposition when you seek to serve the Savior, but it's the people who break through and pray through the opposition that are used by God. And honestly, you know, again, we live in a culture where people make excuses and people are lazy. We've gotten so lazy in our culture. I think of Proverbs chapter 22, verse 13 It says, the lazy man says, there's a lion outside. I'm going to be killed in the streets. Proverbs 22, 13. The lazy man says, there's a lion outside. I'm going to be killed in the streets. A lazy man would say, hey, I can't go out and get a job because there's a big old lion out there. They would say, hey, I can't go out and look for a job because somebody might call me and I'll miss the phone call. You get that on the way home. Saints, listen, don't let your priorities get out of order. Keep Christ first in everything. Don't let your kids' involvement in sports, listen, I'm going to touch on something that's like the hot button in the, in the church today. All right. But Wednesday night, we're here because we're all mature Christians with spiritual teeth and we want the meat of the word and we want to get down to the truth. Am I right about it? I'll wait while you clap your hands and thank you for that freedom. We live in a culture where, you know, sports and our children in activities is taking our children out of church is taking our children out of the place where they can hear from God and, and, and be changed and that spiritual foundation needs to be laid. And I can't tell you how many times I've met people and I was like, hey, how are you? How are you? How you been? I haven't seen you in a while. Well, yeah, well, you know, uh, uh, I was going to say Johnny, but because Johnny's the, Johnny's the, the, all the, all the boys' names in the whole entire world. And, uh, but Johnny, uh, uh, is, um, you know, well, he's in sports, he's been in soccer, and we just been all over the place. Well, well whew, we are so tired, we've been everywhere. And man, he is, but he is good. Oh, he's like ranking number one, Pastor Rodney. Uh, 
I'm like, oh, nice, nice. Man, man, I haven't seen you guys in church in Sundays or Wednesdays. Well, you know, well, actually, you know, they, they actually have the game on Sunday and they practice on Wednesday. Honestly, guys, this is just me. Listen, this is not etched in stone. This don't even have to be your opinion. You do not have to agree with it. This is just me. I'm saying I believe there's something very spiritually undercurrent going on there. I'm not a conspiracy theory guy. I'm just not, but I honestly believe that Satan is setting that thing up to destroy our youth and take them out of church. Why is it that the games are on Sunday and the practices or vice versa? I don't really know how it goes on with small kids, but or uh, but but there's always when it's time for church, you, you got to practice or you got a game. And of course you want your kids, every good parent wants their child to be involved in something and wants them to, to be a part of something. And, and team sports is good. It's good for their health. It's good for their, their psyche. It's good for their emotion. It's good to get that energy out. And so you as a parent, you think you're doing the right thing by taking them to it. But actually, listen, you're doing actually the wrong thing. If you have no other outlet for, for their spiritual life. You cannot sow the wind and not expect to reap the whirlwind. So you won't see it now, but you'll see it later. Now, does that mean that you shouldn't have your child? No, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying it has always been my practice and our family's practice that if my children need to want to be in something that's going to take us away from church, I'm not saying you got to be there every time the door is open. I'm just saying if it's going to take them away from church, no, sweetie, we can't do that. We've got to figure out a way that you can be involved in something and we can also invest in your life spiritually because that is where really where it's important. Please, somebody clap your hands. I, I really, really, really mean that. And, I, and I'm very, very passionate about it because I've seen it over and over and over and over and over and over again. I have, we have, honey. And then they're 12, 13, 14, and now they're getting on drugs because of sports and they're not in that. And, you know, now they're getting up with a gang because now they feel more part of the gang than they do the youth group at church. You guys, listen, you got to, we, we as parents, we have got to be responsible to raise our children in the fear and the admonition of the Lord and to do what is best for them in all areas of their lives, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, psychologically. We have all of these responsibilities. There's no book on parenting. And for those of you that don't have children, listen, learn now. There's no book on parenting. You make a lot of mistakes. You do a lot of things that you really wish you hadn't done. And you say a lot of things. I didn't see nobody over here raised. The perfect parents are over on this side. Did I get it twisted? Maybe I just wasn't looking. Let me try that again. Y'all just hold on. You do a lot of things that you really wish you hadn't done. There you go. Woo. 
I'll be ready to say, Peter, we're going to be here for a minute. We got a lot of work. But we have to be mindful that we have a responsibility. Grandparents as well. We ain't off the hook. Right? We, we, we have to help. You can't take over. But you got to help. All right. And love your kids and you love them enough to put them in the presence of the Lord. And sometimes I say, nope, can't do that sport. Not this year. We're going to find something else for you. We'll find something else. And God will honor that. God God will bless you. Honestly, I look back at my children and, you know, hey, praise the Lord. They're kind of crazy, but they praise God. They're they're all right. They're here. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> That's my son sitting right there, so I'm, I'm actually picking on him right now. <laughs> He's clapping. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, But I'm happy to have my children around me. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.